Welcome to the Recession Resistant Real Estate Radio, where we talk about real estate, passive investing, business strategies, and so much more. I'm your host, Brandon Cobb, CEO of HPG Capital. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hey everybody, this is Brandy Connell with HBG Capital. Thanks for tuning in. And in today's video, I want to answer a question that I've been getting a lot of. And that is exactly, what is a fund? What does a fund do? What does it mean for me? Should I invest in a fund? And so I want to go over the nuts and bolts today on exactly how funds are structured and what exactly does it mean for capital preservation, return of capital, and your return on investment, the three things you should be worried about as an investor. So before we jump in, if we've been having a one-way conversation, I want to turn that one-way conversation into a two-way conversation. Visit hbgcapital.net or send us an email. We'd love to set up an introductory call and explore more whether recession-resistant assets may or may not be a good fit for your portfolio. Put a name with a face and get to know each other a little bit better and see if we might be able to help. Okay, so what exactly is a fund? So we're actually closing one of these right now. Uh, we're not advertising it. This is not a solicitation. I'm just mentioning this in passing. But a lot of people have called and said, hey, how is this structured? What is all this paperwork, right? Because there's a good bit of legal paperwork that goes into this because uh, you're getting into you know big boy entities. You're basically doing what hedge funds are doing, but on a much smaller scale, right? We've all ter- heard the term hedge fund. And this is basically how they're structured. And depending on the asset class you're investing in, it might be a little bit different. But basically what you have is an operating agreement, a PPM, and a subscription agreement. And I'm going to go over each one of those and explain what they do. So a fund is basically a business. It could be set up in many different ways. A lot of people will choose to do an LLC. There's many different ways that you can structure it, but you're basically setting up a business. And any business will have an operating agreement. And that operating agreement will outline exactly what the business does, who is in the business, what their voting rights are, what their duties and responsibilities are. So typically, when you open up a business, unless you're a sole business owner and you have partners, then you're going to all have duties and responsibilities, and those are going to be outlined in the operating agreement. What can also be outlined in the operating agreement is if one of the partners wants to exit the circumstances of which everybody has to abide by for that disposition to happen. So the operating agreement tries to cover every single possible question that could come up on how that business is going to be run. The difference is with a fund, typically there's a fund manager. And if you're a, for example, let's say you're investing in either a multifamily syndication or maybe it's a new construction fund, whatever it is, but there's going to be duties and responsibilities of all the different members. So what you're actually doing by investing in a fund is usually you're buying shares or you're buying units of this fund. So congratulations, you're a business owner now. If you've never started a business and you are investing in someone else's fund, purchasing units, that means you're purchasing ownership of that fund and you will get a K-1 at the end of the year. Um, full disclosure, I'm not an accountant. I'm not, this is not legal advice. Um, don't sue me if you make some decision based off what I says and it doesn't turn out how you go. Always hire an accountant and a good attorney. But that's basically what you're doing. When you're purchasing units or something, you have ownership, you're going to get a K1 at the end of the year. These, this, the fund manager should provide that to you. So now that you're a manager, what about your duties and responsibilities? 
So this is why in the paperwork, it's outlined exactly how everything's going to run. Now, typically, you don't want any duties and responsibilities because you just want to sit back and get checks straight into your bank account from the fund manager. That's how most people want to invest in a fund. So in the paperwork, it's actually going to write that out, that limited partners don't have any duties or responsibilities of this fund. They're not liable for anything. So if somebody gets, uh, if somebody tries to sue the fund or something like that, they're in a protected position that can't get touched. Typically, if it's a situation where um, the fund is taking on more debt via a construction loan or a multifamily loan for a larger multifamily asset from the bank, the investors are not on the line for that bank payment. It is the fund manager who is on the line for that bank payment. So the fund is set up in a way where the operating agreement will stipulate who does what and who holds the liability. So it's very important to read through that operating agreement and understand exactly what you're investing in. The second item is the PPM. The PPM is going to be very, very similar to the operating agreement. The PPM is going to outline exactly how the fund will be run. So this will a lot of times have a lot of what the operating agreement is uh, has in it, like members, duties, responsibilities. It'll also have risk disclosures. So the operating agreement will not. Well, it basically says how the business is going to be run and who's involved in it. The PPM will outline the exact business strategy, a lot of the risks involved in it. And ultimately, how it's the money is going to be used. So this is where you'll see the business strategy, whether that is an acquisition of a multifamily asset or the construction of a home. Whatever you're investing in, that PPM is going to outline exactly how the capital will be used. It'll also, uh, you know, outline under the conditions that uh, if the fund manager, you know, commits fraud, what would happen? And it should say that the fund manager would be you know, removed. So it'll stipulate exactly what the capital can be used for while the operating agreement does not do that. Uh, the next is the subscription agreement. So the subscription agreement is basically that. It's a subscription agreement. You basically sign on how many shares you want to own. Those shares will um, equate to the corresponding capital that you're looking to invest in the fund. And that's basically it. That is the setup of how a fund is usually structured. Obviously, there's no one size fits all magic pill, but for the most part, that's what you're looking at. So what are the advantages of investing in a fund? Why would you want to do that? So one of the biggest advantages, especially in the commercial space, is the depreciation. So when you own a rental asset, especially in the commercial world, you get to do something called a cost segregation study. This is something that we hire third-party whole accounting firms to do. But when you acquire that big asset, there are a lot of items that can be depreciated. In other words, when you acquire an asset, you get to take some of the future depreciation and apply it up front if you want to. What that allows you to do is reduce your taxable income. So let's use a past example, for example. Um, you know, full disclosure. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. I have to say that. But for this specific example, let's say you invested $100,000 into a particular deal and that deal uh, had, did a cost segregation study and it came back and told you that you could write off anywhere between 30 and 40% of your investment. Now, again, you're an owner of this fund, right? You're an owner 
of that apartment complex. So you get to partake in this depreciation event. That hundred thousand dollars, thirty to forty percent of that's thirty to forty thousand dollars. So you get to take that thirty to forty thousand dollars and reduce it off of your income, and that is tax savings. That is the power of depreciation. So let's go over another benefit. Another benefit is the ROI. So typically funds can offer much higher ROIs than typical uh, investments like stocks or bonds, anything that is mainstream. And the reason for this is a lot of times funds will use leverage. Let's use an example. Let's say you raise $1 million and you go out and you use that money just to buy a million dollars worth of construction. And that million dollars worth of construction is going to generate $250,000 in net profit, right? So you invest a million dollars into something uh, with the fund manager, it produces $250,000 worth of profit. Now that profit's got to be split up in some way, shape, shape or form, right? But however, no matter how that profit is split, there's only $250,000 or roughly 25% of the million dollars that was used to build the homes. Let's take that same million dollars and let's put it into the fund model. So if we take that million dollars and then we use that as collateral to go get $3 million or $4 million from the bank and build $4 million worth of homes using that same 25% rule, we're basically saying that it's going to work the same way. We're building the same homes with the same margin. That $4 million is going to net $1 million. So the $1 million investment created a million dollars of profit versus $250,000. That's the power of leverage. And that's why funds can usually, most of the time, offer a lot higher returns than your other typical investments can. That's the power of leverage. The other big benefit of investing in a fund is it's truly passive. Uh, we've been in the real estate business a long time, and by far the two most popular investment methods are flipping houses and rental properties. This is what we're, it's pretty much ingrained in us at a young age, right? Everybody knows these two, uh, these two vehicles for investment. And it's, it's been popularized by HDTV. Just about everyone knows somebody who owns some kind of rental property. The problem is, is that it's not 100% passive, all right? There's a lot of work that goes into it. And for all the people that say, Oh, I'll just hire a property management company and they'll take care of my rentals. It doesn't quite work out like that. There's still a lot of work that has to get involved, especially the more rentals you have. The other problem is rentals traditionally don't cash flow as much as you think, uh, especially in today's crazy market. Uh, you're lucky to get a hundred to three hundred dollars a month in uh, cash flow from that. And just one event like the tenant not paying you or destroying something can completely erase all the money you generate from the rental. So it is not completely passive, but with funds it is because all you're doing is investing capital into the fund and then the fund manager does all the heavy lifting and you get your distributions. It truly is passive investment. A lot of people don't know that. The other big benefit of using a fund model is diversification. So usually these funds, unless it's a fund that is created for one really large multifamily asset, which in itself provides diversification in the number of units that it has. So if, you know, 10 tenants move in a 310 unit, 
you don't have as much effect on the net operating income as you would one single family property that if the tenant leaves, there is zero coming, zero dollars coming in. That's what I mean by diversification. But if it's a, a new construction fund per se, you're investing in different projects. So if one particular project doesn't go well for some reason, then your investment's not exposed to just that asset. It's spread among multiple assets. And as you know, diversification is a very good tool for limiting risk and helping portfolios. All right, guys, that's it today. Visit hbgcapital.net. Feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to connect with you and we'll see you next time.